It's time for the Hockey Minute, your source for all your hockey news and some opinion. Strap in for the fastest news in the NHL. This episode is proudly brought to you by... Absolutely nobody. We don't have any sponsors. Now here's your hosts, Brandon and Ryan. And here we are. Welcome back to another edition of the Hockey Minute. I am your host, Brandon. With me, as always, my co-host, Ryan. And today we've got lots of postseason play to discuss. But first, please, like and subscribe on Apple. It really helps us grow the show. All right, before we get into hockey, let's check in with my road-raging co-host coming in from the coronavirus. Ryan, how you doing, man? Oh, man. It, listen, uh, British Columbia has some of the worst drivers I think I've ever seen. So as you mentioned, I'm, I'm just outside the Kelowna virus, as they're affectionately calling it. And uh, I had a, you know, I'm driving along. It's a beautiful drive. If, if, it, if you haven't done this drive, you should definitely, uh, definitely do it. But like, there's like some, you know, 70-year-old lady in a little blue Toyota, just no turn signal, change in lanes, gets in the fast lane, drives 70. So really clogs up traffic. Uh, just pathetic. Uh, if that's, you know, if your, if your grandmother is, uh, the owner of a mid two thousands blue Toyota Camry, then you need to tell her to speed it up or get off the highway. Uh, outside of that, uh, it was, it was beautiful up here. The weather was great. Spent some time with, uh, with my mom and got out on the lake. So it was all good. I'm, uh, just a slightly less, uh, color of pale now. So I'm, I'm excited, excited about that. <laughs> And uh, we've got uh, we've got, we've got through the play and rounds, and there's some good to this and some bad to this. But uh, why don't you kick us off with uh, with you know what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, well, I, yeah, you're right. I thought we'd start with kind of the old matchups that uh, ended tonight on Sunday, uh, August 9th. So uh, the first one was uh, Toronto versus Columbus, and man, uh, Toronto managed to stave off elimination with just this insane Game Four comeback, right? I'm sure most people listening seen it, have seen it or at least heard about it. But they scored three quick goals in in, in quick succession uh, to force a really dramatic overtime, where Matthew scores the winner, only to to just disappoint all of their fans with this huge letdown with a, a three nothing defeat uh, in in Game Five. And I just I, I can't imagine being a Toronto fan is is all that fun right now. No, man, it's uh, it's Raptors Central now in Toronto as of today. I mean that 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 game was pathetic, and for Toronto, when you think about the amount of money they've invested into, you know, four forwards, zero points in this game between them, and and you know, yeah, sometimes a goalie gets hot and plays well. Corpus Allo played really well, but. <laughs> Like Mitch Marner is, he's vilified right now already. I mean, Twitter was blowing up uh, with, you know, conversations about Marner and Tavares, you know, is Tavares, is he, you know, a guy that can lead a team? Cause you look at the Islanders, the last two seasons have gone further in the playoffs than John Tavares, but uh, the game itself, I watched it and Frederick Anderson was going to want that second goal back, but as you remember from 2011, Brandon, I mean, a hot goalie is one thing, and and but if nobody, you know, if all the offensive guys aren't scoring, it doesn't really matter where you let in a, a goal from on the ice. Frederick Anderson isn't responsible for putting the puck in the net; he's responsible for keeping it out of his own. And uh, you know, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, uh, even some of their depth guys, Kasperi Kapanen, and Andreas Janssen, guys that have scored 20 goals in the NHL, just didn't show up. And you mentioned Game Four, man, Jason Spezza. That guy dropped the gloves yeah, yeah. To, to reignite his team. And, and tonight, you know, again, was I mean, he, he made a rush. 
he looked like Jason Spezza from the early days in Ottawa. I mean, he went end to end. He, he went through three guys, nearly went through the remaining two, and it led to a scoring chance. And you know he wants it. And the young guys on Toronto just didn't look like they wanted it as bad as Columbus did. So uh, what are your thoughts? So, I mean, we know how Toronto gets. I mean, you think Vancouver's a crazy market. What do you think yeah. is happening in Toronto? What's being written right now about this team? Oh man, I just I think everybody has taken off their Leafs jersey and they've revealed the Raptors jersey underneath, right? I think I think they've just given up. Honestly, they're just so sad. I I I, I can you know I almost empathize, but you just you had to bring up 2011, hey? You just you got to twist that knife every time. But I'm, uh, I just I'm, I, re- <laughs> I relish the hate mail, so that's why I do it. <laughs> Yeah, man. I think I just I wanted to touch on that that second goal that uh, Anderson let in. Though I mean, in case anybody hasn't seen it, <clears throat> basically it was it was a bad change, and uh, a Columbus player snuck in on the far right wing, and he just he was all alone with a, a Toronto defenseman just sitting in front of Anderson, and he drifted a shot in off of Anderson's pads like fivefold. No business going in, man. Like there's there's no way a pro goalie should let that goal in, and with what it, whatever it was like seven or eight minutes left in the third period when that goal went in, I think that. You know that made the the hill seem insurmountable insurmountable for Toronto because you know they they done it with a three nothing uh, come back to three three to go to overtime in game four but it just like you, you were saying earlier it didn't seem like they had the will to to do to do it again a second time. No, and, and people are going to get on Martin Marinson for that play, but I mean Martin Marinson played that perfectly, and it, yeah, it was such a weird sequence because the puck went in around the boards and the Leafs changed and Liam Foodie, who was the goal scorer, he was like on the far wing and yeah. he just picked up the puck and he looked like, what the hell happened here? I'm, I'm in the zone. There's me and one other Leaf and then a Columbus Blue Jackets player is getting in. <laughs> yeah. And he was kind of like, oh, okay. And, and you know, Marinson played it perfectly. He took away the net front pass. Foodie just puts it on net. And yeah, like I said, Frederick Anderson's got to have those. Um, oh, yeah. And that's all it took, man. I think that's all it took. And we, we've, We've talked about John Tortorella being the coach that he is and, and the Columbus Blue Jackets being the, the gritty team that they are. And that's that second goal was pretty much the nail in the coffin for Toronto. And as soon as that went in, I thought there's no way that Toronto is going to come back. And, and it, you mentioned it. They, they had that epic comeback in game four just to delay <laughs> the uh, eventual suffering for their fan base. So. Yeah, it uh, wouldn't shock me, though, to see if, uh, you know, this offseason, if there is some movement, because this is three straight seasons now. Well, four, really, but three straight with some, uh, you know, some heartbreaking uh, losses. And for Toronto, uh, a, a stat, Frederick Anderson is now 0-8 in elimination games. So you start to wonder maybe what his deal is. Although, again, for this one, you can't blame him. Toronto didn't put up any offense. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the, another team that I think is probably a bit too top-heavy to have any success in the playoffs are the Edmonton Oilers, and, and they suffered a similar defeat to Chicago without uh, without any dramatic comebacks, right? I mean, they lost in in the fourth game, and uh, they looked pretty sad. Uh, you know, they have the, the top players of McDavid and, and Dreisaitl and, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and then uh, aside from that, they've got a black hole of offense and pretty shoddy goaltending. So, I, I mean, there's there's definitely some parallels to be drawn between those two teams, I think. Yeah, well, and uh, you talk about stats. Uh, the end of the the playoff round for Chicago and Edmonton, it was, uh, I think, Drysaddle, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins combined for twenty three points, and the rest of the Oilers team combined for fifteen. And it's I don't even think it's about being top heavy at that point. At least Toronto can run two competent forward lines, 
Edmonton yeah. runs on one and uh, it just wasn't a good look. And like the thing with the, the, the contrast between Edmonton and Pittsburgh fans, I thought was so funny because Pittsburgh, and we'll talk about them in a minute, but Pittsburgh, they get eliminated and their fans were like, ah, you know what? Yeah. Okay. I guess we got to fight for the, the first overall pick, like no big deal. Right. And that's because that team won two cups back to back within the last five years. Their yep. stu- their their two superstars are in their thirties, so it's like, yeah, we could use another first overall pick. Edmonton fans are like, oh, I'll give them credit; they don't want to they don't they don't want to be in competition for another first overall pick. They wanted to win this series. They want to see McDavid have uh, success. They want to see Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins have success. And this team just like it was so weird to watch the game because it, it seemed like if you weren't McDavid or Drysaddle or Nugent Hopkins, you had to dump the puck in and chase it, man. There were times James Neal had a chance to skate the puck into Chicago's zone. He'd flip it in and then go run the defenseman. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. That, that's not going to put the puck in the net, especially when the, especially these days, defensemen are so quick anyways, but Duncan Keith, uh, you know, he's still a good skater. Boquist, uh, Gustafson, you know, these are, are quick defensemen and they're going back to getting the puck. They're moving it before Edmonton could even get a four check going. So um, it wasn't a good luck. Uh, you you kind of called this, though, right? I mean, you, you felt that Chicago, with Jonathan Taves leading the way, was going to end up winning this. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard. I just uh, he's such a clutch player in his last couple of seasons. You know, he's, he's, he's shown that he, he's hungry for a, another cup and another shot at it. So I'm really interested to see, though, how Chicago is going to do going forward and if they can, if if they looked good because of Edmonton's poor play or if they're actually ready to, to compete, maybe not for the cup, but to, to make a real run at it. Do you think that for Edmonton, with some of the names, I mean, you could think of a Darnell Nurse, Adam Larson, uh, I mean, Zach Cassian just resigned there, but I mean, outside of the big three in Edmonton, do you, you think that we're going to see some offseason moves from Ken Holland or is, I mean, it's it really, the roster hasn't changed that much. And I feel like if they're not getting it done now, maybe, maybe some turnover is needed. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right. But I mean, the, the question is always how much value do you have when you're on a, essentially on a losing team? And uh, I think everybody's value is going to be pretty low, except for the the stars that you mentioned. I mean, you're never getting a Taylor Hall caliber caliber player for Adam Larson again. So, I mean, that's out the window. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Cassian's worth much, but I think he actually brings quite a bit of value to that team. Uh, Darnell Nurse probably you know, he's worth something, but he still has a, a huge potential. I mean, he's a he's a stud in the making if you can get him. You know, if you get his head right through the game. So. I just, I don't know, man. I think they need to have some turnover, but as far as what that's going to look like and how it's going to play out, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, that's true, actually. You, I don't think Gaetan Haas being moved is somehow going to change things. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll be a long offseason in Edmonton for sure, and we'll have to wait and see what they do. So, I mean, speaking of... Uh, yeah, teams licking their wounds and <laughs> moving on, I guess. Sidney Crosby was eliminated by the Canadians on his 33rd birthday, which is a nice little twisting of the knife. But, I mean, like you were alluding to before, that team, they're not, I mean, they're obviously upset to lose, but they're not as upset as the Oilers, even though 
you know, this this may be one of the last few chances they have a crack at it. I mean, did did you have a chance to watch any of that series? It was to me, it was a huge surprise to see Montreal pull it out. I mean, we all know Carey Price is a monster, but I just I didn't think Montreal would have the team play to do it. But it just it almost seemed like uh, Pittsburgh was never fully engaged in that series. It seemed like they were always waiting for something to get them going, and and they never did. Um, I didn't see much. I only saw game one. Like I said on on my Sportsnet, it was only mainly the Western conference teams. And then like the Toronto yeah. Columbus series. Uh, yeah, it is, it is the truth though. Like Pittsburgh fans can probably rest easy knowing that they don't really, there, there was no pressure. You know what I mean? Like, like their window is closing. They know that. Uh, I was, if anything, more surprised that Montreal took it to them. <laughs> you know, this isn't, yeah. uh, this isn't Philadelphia beating Pittsburgh. This is, <laughs> team that wouldn't have been in the playoffs otherwise that uh, is now <laughs> dismantled them and and uh carry price man i mean when he wants to he turns it on he's he's almost unbeatable so it'll be uh interesting to see how montreal fares against uh, philadelphia who's uh, they're, they're playing in the next round so, um we'll, we'll talk about yeah. the playoff rounds in a second here but um you know what like i said before though the penguins fan base they seem to be just kind of you know, all right, well, we lost. <laughs> no big deal. A couple yeah. of Stanley Cups, uh, we'll do that. Back-to-back Cups, we'll do that. And uh, I just, you know, I, I swear to God, Brandon, if if they win that draft lotto, I'm uh, quitting the podcast. I'm never watching hockey again. Uh, <laughs> I just, I could not handle it. And one, one quick thing before we, we move on to talking about the draft lotto is is uh, Chris Letang, man. I mean, he's he's always been kind of the driving force on that back end for these these Pittsburgh victories. And I don't know if it's age catching up to him or what, but uh, his his decision making was poor, and uh, he's he left us wanting when you're watching him, and he's just a shadow of his former self. So I think if Pittsburgh's ever going to have a chance to have some success, they're going to need to get him back into you know somewhat of his, his old form. Yeah, they'll need uh, they need some help on the blue line in Pittsburgh for sure. Okay, moving on to the uh, the draft lottery, which is uh, I think Ryan and I, you and I, are both having nightmares about how this is going to play out uh, Monday. So this this for everybody, this is actually going to come out the day after the draft lottery. So I guess we can uh, we can recap it after. But I'll just I'll, I'll run through the teams real quick. It's uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the New York Rangers, Winnipeg Jets, uh, the Florida Panthers, the Nashville Predators, Pittsburgh Penguins, Edmonton Oilers, and the Minnesota Wild. And I, I think for my money, the only team I'm actually okay with winning the lottery would be uh the, the minnesota wild really why is that ah, it's just they're, they're such a, a hockey crazy market and they've, they've never had a, a calder candidate even and uh, they've got a really good strong structured team right they're kind of like a, a light version of columbus so it'd be pretty neat to see alexi lafreniere there and and tearing it up and giving them an actual uh, offensive threat okay yeah i mean uh, i guess the closest thing they had to being or having a like a stud offensive player come in through the draft was Marion Gabrick, I guess, way back in like 2001. Um, yeah, I, I, I for my money, I'd like to see Winnipeg get it. If you know, I mean, I think Winnipeg is a good team, and I think that would have really helped that market as well. Uh, Minnesota, yeah, not bad either. I mean, even hate to say it, Nashville though, like Nashville, they they put all their money into three centermen, but. If you get a, a top end winger to play with a guy like Matt Duchesne or Ryan Johansson as your centerman, there's no telling what Lafreniere could do as a rookie. I mean, that, that, that's a potential 35, 40 goal season for him if he ends up playing with one of those two guys. Um, yep. 
And and I think also Nashville could market the hell out of him, much like Tampa did with Stamkos back when they picked him first overall. They were putting up billboards saying, have you seen Stamkos? Nashville could put something up, uh, you know, similar to that and market that player. So um, yeah, that's I, a good point, though. Minnesota is kind of Canada's south, and I think that they would have a a pretty uh, pretty excited fan base if they get first overall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're, you're right. I, I think the, the the Jets would be okay. But uh, my, my my 1A is, is definitely for the Wild, one for sure. Yeah. All right, so moving on to the uh, the upcoming matchups, which is, is, man, it's the first round of the actual playoffs, not to make anybody confused. I know I am when I <laughs> look at it, the play-ins and the playoffs and all that stuff. But I thought we could uh, we could start out East, Ryan. Maybe we'll um, take a look at the Tampa versus Columbus series, and we'll we'll give our predictions and uh, a little breakdown of how we think it's going to go. What's what's your take on the Tampa series? Uh, Blue Jackets in four, um, as we saw Ooh. last year. <laughs> no, no. You know what? I it'll. I think Blue Jackets win. Yeah. I, I should clarify why I'm saying this. Okay, so I, I mentioned Big Cat Daddy Bassey on the last episode. Uh, I lost a bet to one of our listeners, Kenny Wilcox, who I, I was very cocky. I said, I'll bet you the Capitals beat Tampa in that round robin. You know, no big deal. Now, granted, Tampa won in a shootout. It doesn't really count, but... Still, they won, <laughs> and I'm go. a man of my I'm a man of my word, so that's why I said what I said. Now, saying that, Victor Hedman got hurt. There's been no word at the time of this recording. What's wrong with his ankle? Uh, and then Stamkos is out indefinitely. So two big losses for Tampa and Columbus. Uh, I saw Nick Foligno post game after the Toronto game. They asked him, "Are you you know how do you feel going up against uh, Tampa?" And he, he, he was, he just had a big smile on his face. He's like, yep, yeah, we're looking forward to it because they know, they know what they did last year. And, uh, so it's going to be a good series, but I think, I think Columbus will win. I think it'll take them six games this year. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm right there with you for all those same reasons. I think, I think Columbus just got warmed up facing a kind of a Tampa light in Toronto. Um, they're totally confident. I don't think they have any issues. They're not scared at all going up against Tampa, obviously after what happened last year. So, uh, I think to me, it's just a, it's a terrible matchup for a Tampa team to go against such a well, well structured, well coached team. And, uh, yeah, so just for me, uh, I'm, I'm taking Columbus in seven and only because I think Tampa's going to be a little bit angry and, and, you know, hopefully going to make a series out of it. But I just, but when I, when I put those two systems together, I've got a hard time seeing Tampa come out okay. If Wierenski and Jones can stay healthy and if Hedman isn't healthy, then, I mean, Columbus obviously is going to have the better defensive core. And, uh, you know, and I mean, Kucherov too is, is a guy that as good as he is, we saw him last year, he kind of snapped, he ran Nudavara from behind, <laughs> took us a step yeah, yeah. that play. Like, you know what I mean? Like I think Tampa, yeah. I don't know if their mental toughness is there. Uh, it was pointed out to me that Patrick Maroon is a cup winning, you know, uh, cup winning influence on that team. You know, he's not exactly going to be the, the guy that leads the way offensively, but he knows what it takes. He yeah. it last year. So that should bring some experience to Tampa's dressing room. But I just think Columbus, they're like, I don't know, man. I think Columbus is just, they, they know what happened last year and they're just, they're, like you said, there's no fear there. There's no hesitation to go up against that high powered offense. Yeah. Just on, on the Patrick Maroon point, man, you just, you're, you're giving me flashbacks of Jim Benning talking about signing Jay Beagle and his cup pedigree. And I just, I don't know how much that actually counts towards any, any success when you're, it'd be, it'd be different if it was a top line or a top two line guy. But I mean, 
what's what he's, he's got to be playing on the third or fourth line there's no way he's a he's a top two line winger there so i don't know i just i don't think that's going to count for much well all it is though is that so first of all maroon yeah he's like a fourth liner he's making 900k this year but all it is is really just that voice in the locker room to say this is what i went through when i won right it's the same thing with jay beagle yeah he's not i mean i love jay beagle he's overpaid but he's not there to provide anything more than just some good face-offs and good PK. And then when the team, you know, let's say going up against uh, St. Louis, Vancouver going up against St. Louis, if they're if the Canucks are getting discouraged, he's the guy that stands up in the locker room and, and he can he can talk about, hey, you know what? When this happened in our cup-winning uh, run, man, you know, uh, we just we did this, or you know, Ovechkin said this, or Backstrom said this, or whatever, right? And he's just there to pick up the young guys and and the star players and I Patrick Maroon is kind of the same way like he's a good locker room guy and yeah so that's all it is is that's what the quote-unquote experience is but Patrick Maroon didn't get four years uh, four years at three million per so (laughs) yeah exactly we need to hide Benning's phone in free agency all right so uh moving on to Boston versus Carolina and I think this is kind of another battle of uh kind of two distinctly different systems. I mean maybe not as much as Tampa Columbus but it's still uh, I mean Carolina is, is freewheeling but at the same time they play this incredibly structured team D. They've got they've got eight uh, NHL defensemen once Dougie Hamilton comes back and I, th- I think one interesting thing to note is this is going to be the third year in a row that Jake Gardner is going to have to play against uh, the, the Bruins in the playoffs in the first round so man there's a, a lot of interesting storylines to follow here yeah um, yeah you mentioned that they played last year in the East Conference, uh, Eastern Conference Finals and I think it's just going to be it's going to come down to Tuka Rask because if Tuka Rask is going to be the Tuka Rask that helped the team get to the Stanley Cup Finals last year, then we're in for a series. If Rask is is rusty, I mean, Boston went 0-3 in this uh, round robin, and, and the top line uh, did not play well through the entire round robin. So Carolina is, in a way, like, you know what, we, we talked about it a bit. The, the round robin games were just almost like the tune-up games for these these top end teams. Right. Yeah. And, and it just looked like all of them were sloppy. I mean, Washington was sloppy in their games too. Philly was the only team out of all eight squads that actually looked like they were taking this serious. Um, whereas for a team like Carolina, they went up against a team that, you know, and the Rangers that beat them uh, all throughout the regular season, they had that narrative against them and Carolina came out flying and they, they swept the Rangers. And I think that they're, they're looking forward to playing Boston and, and that rematch. So um, as far as a prediction goes for this, I do think Carolina is going to win. Uh, and I, I just, like I say, it comes down to Rask. So I'm going to, I'm going to say it's going to be Carolina in six, but it could be sooner. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you with Carolina in six, man. And just for all those same reasons you mentioned, I think Rask is absolutely the X factor, but I just think Carolina is so dominant from the back end and just watching that, uh, watching them play coming in here. I think they're, they're going to crush Boston. I think they're just, I think they're they're too deep for Boston to compete with, and if maybe if their perfection line can somehow get on some crazy roll, then we're going to see Boston take it. But uh, I think it's more likely that Carolina comes through. Well, when you think about that perfection line, I mean Carolina, they got Slavin, who's one of the best shutdown guys in the league. Yeah, you know, and then you got guys like Batten and Shea. Uh, who else they got back there? They got a- Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think Dougie's hurt though. 
isn't he? Yeah, he's 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 supposed to be like I think the rumor is that he's he's going to be sliding in, and they're actually talking about taking Gardner out. Okay, so I mean, you got that, and then you know they got Jordan Stahl as well as a good two hundred foot center. Was I think at one point was a a Selkie uh, contender, or you know was was in the the topic for that years ago, um, yeah. and and I think. I think the team defense of Carolina, though, is all five guys on the ice. They're they're invested in their own zone, and when your coach is Rod Brindamore, who's a Selkie Trophy winner, Stanley Cup winner, and even though he's like almost fifty, he can beat the hell out of you. Uh, you listen to him when he says oh, that yeah. you need to. <laughs> you you listen to him when he says you know team defense is key. So you're right. Boston is a one line team, much like the Oilers, mainly. Um, and if Bergeron, Pasternak, and uh, Marshawn can't get things going. It's going to be a quick series. Moving on to your baby, the Washington Capitals versus the Islanders, man. And uh, I, I'm just going to get it out there that I'm calling Islanders in seven. So I think that's how it's going to go. But I, I want to hear from you. Yeah, well, we're no longer friends. Um, I'm going to go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's going to be a battle of like we talked about with uh, Boston and Carolina, man. Team defense. Islanders play a very similar to Columbus, right? It's, they got their one kind of freewheeling guy in Barzell, uh, but everybody else on that team, there's no real dynamic offensive force. Uh, Brock Lee, Anders, on, or sorry, Brock Nelson and Anders Lee are good players. Um, yep. Bo- Beauvillier is a solid player. Like they can get offense from some of those guys. The goaltending is a, you know, is a question mark on, on the Islanders, but they play such a good structured game that, you know, kind of covers that up a bit. Uh, Washington needs to get going. Like they need to, they need to like, you know, amp up their game basically is, uh, is what they need to do. And I'm going to say, obviously, I mean, they're my boys. I have to go caps. I'm going to go caps in five, but I do think that, uh, if Ovi and and Kuznetsov and those guys aren't going, then yeah, they're going to run into a tough time and it's going to be like a one, one, nothing or a two, one, game for the islanders it's going to be boring hockey yeah yeah it's i think i think that's the one thing we can agree on is it there's a good chance it's going to be excruciating to watch and probably uh i mean for me it's it's one of the series i'm i'm least invested in kind of seeing the outcome although i I did pick the islanders to win the cup so i guess there's my level of investment with them but uh, i just i think that's more because i think the boring hockey is going to come through with with success for them all right, so we're going to hit up uh, Montreal versus Philly now, the last team out of the East. And, uh, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm really curious to see this, to see, because Philly was, like you were saying, in the round robin. They were the only team that was flying. And, uh, you know, they were they looked like they were in full playoff form. So I, I don't think they're going to be uh, surprised at all by the pace or anything that Montreal is going to come out with. And I think they're going to be fully committed. And so I'm, I'm really curious to see if Montreal can kind of keep their Cinderella story going or if they're going to get just crushed by a playoff team that's ready to play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a straight-up goaltending fight, man. Carter Hart, uh, Carey Price, those are two cerebral. How about that for a word? Cerebral. There you go. Uh, you know, ubiquitous uh, goaltenders, man. They're, they're both they're both really level-headed, uh, very technically sound, and so I think that for both, like that, that's going to be the interesting duel here. Uh, it's not going to be can Claude Giroux somehow, you know, outplay Shea Weber and, and put up big numbers. It's going to come down to the goaltending, and that's why, in a way, I actually don't know who to pick in this because if Carey Price can do what he did to Pittsburgh and shut down a generational talent and 
uh, you know, an, another franchise level player in Malkin and, and some good other, other players on Pittsburgh. Uh, you can do the same thing to Giroux and Couturier and Hayes and Boracek and all those guys. So if I have to pick, I'm probably going to go with Philly in seven in like overtime. And, uh, and that's going to be <laughs> yeah. my, my guess here. Cause I mean, what do you see when you look at, I mean, cause, cause really Carey Price or sorry, Carter Hart is Carey Price just yeah. 10, like 10 years younger. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Carter Hart is, he's a neat goalie to watch, man. He's, he seems like you're right. He's got that exact same calm presence. He seems like his positioning is perfect. His feet aren't all over the place when he's, when he's moving around. And, um, he's, he's also got that athletic ability to just, you know, stretch out and make a save when he needs to. So I'm, uh, I just, I honestly, man, I, I don't watch enough Philly. I probably saw three or four Philly games all year to really know, to have a, a good sense of their team. But uh, I, I have been trying to keep up with the Habs where I can, and I just I, th- I think that they're eventually going to collapse under pressure here. So uh, I'm calling Philly in five, but you're right. I wouldn't be surprised to see it all in seven. <laughs> Moving on to the West, <laughs> Arizona versus Colorado. And again, we have a huge, uh, a huge difference in styles here, right? I mean, Arizona is another one of these incredibly boring, clog up the neutral zone teams to watch. They're, they're playing the, the trap wherever they can through the neutral zone. And uh, versus Colorado, which has got... Nathan McKinnon, which is a man possessed to win a cup, right? He's looking up to his idol Crosby with three cups. He's looking at the clock and he's thinking, you know, I gotta, I gotta get mine before uh, the time runs out here. And he seems like he is determined to drag the avalanche along to a cup. So, uh, I don't know how you see this series, but for me, I think, uh, I think Colorado is just going to wipe the floor with Arizona. I think they're just going to overpower their defense. And I think McKinnon is, is so determined. I think he's just going to will them to a, a victory in five. Okay. Abs in five. Interesting. Darcy Kemper is a good goaltender in Arizona. Uh, Phil Castle, Taylor yeah. Hall, like we'll, we'll see what those guys bring to the table. But, but uh, I, you know what? I agree with you. I think the abs are just too good of a team. And I think that Arizona versus Nashville was 50-50, but Arizona versus uh, Colorado is like 90-10 for in terms of Colorado, yeah. 90% likely to, uh, to be voted for to win this. Um, yeah, I'm going to say Colorado is actually going to sweep them. I, I think that McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog are such a good unit, and then guys like Kadri and uh, you know some of the depth pieces they have there. Tyson Jost is a solid depth piece for Colorado, so I, I think that they're absolutely going to they're going to win the series. I think they're going to win it in four, and then Taylor wow. Hall will will pull a Kevin Durant and sign in Colorado. <laughs> Oh, that's a really interesting thought. Where, where does Hall fit on that lineup? He'd be a he'd be the perfect second line guy, but he can skate like the wind. So you might even put Landeskog on the second line of Kadri. Those two guys would just be like the most annoying one-two punch to play against. Uh, both yeah. physical and, and good defensive forwards as well. But I mean, imagine McKinnon and Rantanen and Hall kind of you know skating up three you know three on two or something like that. I mean that's and incredible speed, but I do know that Colorado, like they've, they've got some cap space and if they wanted to, to make some moves as well to clear up even more, they could do that. And, and, you know, wouldn't that be something, right? Taylor Hall and his post game presser after they get swept by the ad, <laughs> what, what are you thinking about your future Taylor? He's like, well, actually, yeah. uh, I, I, I kind of got to scout the, uh, the Colorado avalanche. So, uh, you know, firsthand <laughs> in the bubble. I yeah. mean, come on. Do you really think that some of these guys in the bubble aren't going and talking to, some of these other like upcoming FAs, like, you know, I'm not saying this is happening, but I mean, if Nathan McKinnon bumps into Taylor Hall at the breakfast buffet, he might just be going, Hey, 
you know, I might be, I might take less if you come here and, and maybe we want to run together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, like maybe I, you always hear about that in the, in the NBA, right? These different levels of collusion between the players inviting each other to go and play on the team. So you never know. It could happen for the NHL. All right. So Chicago versus Vegas. And I mean, honestly, man, this is this is almost a toss up for me with how good Chicago looked against uh, Edmonton. And so, you know, we all know what Vegas is capable of. And it seems like they're just a perennial kind of conference final sort of team. Um, I don't know, man. Like, how are you seeing this play out? I'm having a hard time putting my finger on this one. Yeah, me too. I mean, honestly, it's it, there's a bit of a storyline with Robin Leonard. Chicago trades him to give him a chance to win, and now <laughs> Chicago is standing in the way of Robin Le- Robin Leonard having a chance to win. Yep. The yep. the offense, I think, is pretty even. I, I did. I think I read something that Patchetti's coming into the bubble, and I don't even know why he was out. I don't know if maybe his wife was having a kid or something like that, but. Mm-hmm. So he's coming in. That that gives the offense a boost. I mean, depending on the player's conditioning's at, and then for the rest of the the team, uh, you know, Mark Stone, uh, Marcheseau, Carlson, uh, Paul Stasny, like they got some they got some good offensive players in Vegas. But I think that Jonathan Taves, man, if we if he plays like what we saw against Edmonton, I think Chicago's yeah. going to win this in, in like five or six because I think that Taves is the heartbeat of the team. And he'll shut down those top guys on the other side. It's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, who who would you take in terms of the better defensive forward? Forget age and everything else. But Mark Stone uh, was nominated for a Selkie last year, and Jonathan Taves has a Selkie and another nomination. I mean, between those two guys, who would you take? Uh, I I take Taves all day. But uh, I've just I've been a huge fan of Taves for forever. Well, and he's he's the, the center, right? But I mean, I just I, I think he's he just has an impact on every end of the game. He's an incredible offensive player. He's you're right. He's the heartbeat. He's he's the captain. He sets everything up, and then he's always breaking up plays in his own zone. He's in the right place. He's directing traffic. He's just he's the ultimate uh, two two hundred foot forward. You know, it's it's almost a cliche in hockey to say, you know, so and so is a two hundred foot player. But I think he's almost the, the the prototype for that that sort of model that all these coaches are just like drooling over yeah yeah and that's why i think i mean patrick kane obviously is such a clutch player in the playoffs as well and chicago like they got the youth movement there too and those guys are going to get the experience and you know to like we talked about him in the regular season how he didn't really he got that big contract and then he just like didn't produce um he didn't look too bad and it's you know he's he's kind of for a small guy, he likes to. He seems to like the playoff atmosphere. You know how physical it is. So yeah. I think it's to me it's a toss up. But I'm going to go Blackhawks in six. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards Taves in their playoff experience. I mean, there's the the goalies are kind of a toss up in this series. Really, there's like I don't think anybody has a true uh, you know all star starter. I mean, I know Corey Crawford is having a bit of a return to form, but. Who knows if he can keep that up? And he's he's had shaky moments, and it's it's the same thing with Vegas and Laner. So, I, th- I think with the goalies being a wash, uh, I think we're going to come out with uh, Chicago and seven, just with the the clutch players there. But again, man, it's a it's a toss up to me. All right, so m- moving on to Calgary versus Dallas. Uh, so, I mean, for me, Dallas. I mean, they're the team that I picked to come out of the West. They're a heavily structured team. Uh, they've got great team D, but playing in the round robin, they looked just pitiful. Like I don't know if they scored a goal. Like they were just they were absolutely dreadful. So they really need to get their game going to be competitive. But they're coming up against a team in Calgary that I don't think looked great against Winnipeg either. I mean they they struggled defeating a Winnipeg team that was dressing almost purely AHLers. So 
for me, this is almost like a, a battle of the least. And uh, it's like whoever can get their game going first is going to come out on top. Yeah. Yeah. It's this one. I, like I'm going to, I'm going to say Dallas is going to win this because I think that their goaltending at the end of the day is better. And offensively, I think it's pretty even like Sagan, Ben Radulov, uh, are comparable to Kachuk and Gaudreau and Lindholm and Monaghan. Um, defensively, dude, I mean, I'm a huge Miro Heiskanen fanboy, so uh, love watching him. And then obviously Klingberg, Esselindel, these types of guys. Um, Dallas, I think Dallas from top to bottom is pretty good. They were a rounder up in team for a reason. They were one of the best teams in the West. Calgary, I think uh, you're right. They beat the equivalent of, uh, you know, a half NHL, half AHL team and against yep. Winnipeg. And I think that it, it wasn't really a true, um, a true challenge once Shifley and Line went down. So I'm going to go Dallas is going to, Dallas is going to beat uh, Calgary. I'm going to say they're going to beat them in sixth. And uh, at the end of this, Corey Perry, Versus Matthew Kachuk, who is uh, who's left standing in that personal battle? <laughs> oh man, I, I that's I think that's the most exciting part of this matchup, man. Is 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 Matt Kachuk? And I mean, for for anybody who's who's watched hockey for a long time, they know Don Trey would go through these you know the top four or five prospects, and you would ask them who their favorite player was or who they liked to model their game after. And most of these guys are like you know Tavares or Patty Kane or Sidney Crosby. Well, Matt Kachuk said Corey Perry who is the, the absolute shift disturber, right? He's been the rat of all rats for his entire career. So when he said that, I don't know. I just I think that set up Matt Kachuk's career perfectly. And uh, now he gets to, be, to battle him in, uh, in a playoff series. And I, I just I think that Matt Kachuk has a whole lot more to prove than, than the cup winner Corey Perry does. And I think he's just going to be all over him. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that Perry, if anything, Perry's, I don't want to say relegated, but... Perry is not the player he once was. He doesn't also have to be the guy. And I think Kachuk has to be the guy in Calgary. So I would almost, yeah. it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we saw Corey Perry try to get under Kachuk's skin and Kachuk, who's like 13 years younger, look at Perry and just tell him flat out, you're irrelevant. I'm way more important than you get back on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Flash is a fake dollar sign. Like if you come over, you can wash my car. I'll pay you really well. Corey, because you're only making a million bucks here in Dallas, so um, yeah, that'll be a very interesting game within the game for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, for me, I'm I'm going Dallas in five. I think Dallas has the the, the more complete team, and uh, I think Calgary is still struggling to get there. And when I think about playoff performers in Calgary, I mean, honestly, the only one that I can think about is is maybe Geo and uh, and Matt Kachuk. And other than that, all of their all of their scorers seem to to really struggle come uh, come the real playoffs. So yeah, I'm going Dallas in five. All right, so moving on to the series that I will be uh, uh, least biased about, the Vancouver Canucks versus the St. Louis Blues. And, I mean, we we all know regular seasons don't mean much, but the Canucks actually fared pretty well against the Blues this year. I I thought they were highly competitive, and um, I think they actually surprised the Blues with how how competitive they were. But, I mean, as we saw with the the Carolina and uh, Rangers uh, play-in, it it doesn't seem to matter, (laughs) right? It seems like once the playoffs come around, it's a whole new beast. And uh, St. Louis, obviously, the defending cup champs they're a huge huge heavy team amazing on the forecheck amazing on the wall good goaltending i think it's going to be a massive challenge for vancouver i don't know um how do you see this series going uh blues in three <laughs> mother if you're going to go against my capitals um you know what i i think blues are going to win this uh for a couple of reasons and I, I'm, not, I'm not just saying this because you're a connect fan but 
first of all, they're a very good team. We saw that a regular season, they won the Stanley Cup last year. Uh, I think more so than that, the Canucks are in that, that mode right now where they're learning the playoffs, you know, like, like they, they, you got to lose before you can win. And I just think that Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser and Quinn Hughes, as good as those players are, and Quinn Hughes, by the way, how nasty is that kid? Like six points did he have in the, the first round? Yeah, six points in four games. He's leading all defensemen. Like, you know, the only the only other non-surprise was obviously that the the best offensive defenseman and or the best offensive defenseman in the NHL, Chris Tanev, gets the series clinching goal, uh, <laughs> oh, as yeah. we all predicted. But I just think that for the Canucks, like this is this is a learning year for them, and I think that I, I think St. Louis will beat them, but the Canucks will turn it into a positive experience, and they're going to come back next year even better. Um, St. Louis to me, I just think the experience is there. O'Reilly is, is so good. Petrangelo is so good. Bennington's got ice in his veins. Um, and I think, the, like you said, they're just a heavy team. Pedersen was beaten pretty badly in, uh, in the Minnesota series. That's not going to change. Yeah. I mean, Colton Pareko is going to be all over him the entire series. And Joel Edmondson, or sorry, not Joel Edmondson, sorry. Uh, Justin Falk is going to be all over him uh, the entire series. And so it's going to be tough for Petey. But I think that the Canucks will will end up taking this experience and coming back next year even stronger. But St. Louis is, is my pick here. I think they're going to win in six. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, man, the my, the the part of me that is a, a, a purely uh, analytical hockey fan that, that pulls out the fan bias, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with any of your points, but... But the the heart uh, the, the heart in me uh, just has to go with the Canucks. I mean, I, I don't think I can go uh, go against my boys there. And, and I mean, Quinn Hughes, uh, just a magician. Honestly, that uh, that Minnesota series, while while the the forwards managed to really clamp down on Pedersen, and, and really he didn't do that much in the final game. Uh, Quinn Hughes still was just dancing. I mean, he actually got better every game. So. I'm, uh, I'm really anxious to see if he can keep that going with the Blues. Um, hopefully Pedersen can get it going again, and I'm uh, hopefully Marky can keep uh, finding his game. I mean, we actually didn't even touch on the, the Canucks winning the series against Minnesota, but they did it despite Pedersen not really showing up or at least being completely shut down. And uh, with Jacob Markstrom playing his worst game of the season that I've seen. So, uh, I mean, if he can somehow work with uh, the goalie coach and kind of get his game back a little bit, and uh, I don't know, man, if a miracle happens, I think the Canucks are going to win at seven. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you have this one, Brandon. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, because I really, honestly, I don't have a lot to go on. I, I, I'm terrified of the Blues. Uh, I was kind of terrified of Dallas anyway. I mean, Dallas is a team that the Canucks have struggled against for the last five years, too. So I think either way, they're going to be in for a challenge. And at least this way, after they lose, if they lose, they can go, oh, well, you know, we, we lost to the Cup champs or the defending Cup champs. So uh, no big deal. We'll come back better. All right. So I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Uh, unless, Ryan, unless you had anything else you want to touch on. Uh, I got nothing, man. I'm just uh, I'm excited now. It seems like almost like the real playoffs are beginning, and the intensity yeah. is is going to be ratcheted up here. So, looking forward to this. I'm happy that everybody uh, in this in these two bubbles have been able to just stay healthy too, so that we don't have to worry about losing this. And obviously, as the teams are eliminated and they trickle out as well, that reduces the amount of potential uh, recipients of this horrible virus. Um, but but yeah, man, no, I'm excited to get this going here and excited to watch more hockey throughout the days. 
Absolutely, man. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks, everybody, for listening. From Ryan and Brandon, we'll catch you next time on the Hockey Minute. We'd like to take a second to thank you, the listener, for joining us. And a big thanks goes to our writers and production team, Jules, Mark, and Matt. We couldn't do this without you. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Hockey Minute, as well as leaving voicemails on our anchor page, at Hockey Minute. And always make sure to subscribe to whichever platform you listen to your podcast. That's going to do it for us. This is Brandon and Ryan. We'll talk to you next time on the Hockey Minute. So I just want to knock my mic off the desk. That's hilarious.